hey Aaron. Hey Paul. Um can I tell you a secret? Always. So parenting is this weird thing. I know you know because you've done it a lot longer than me, but like thank God that our little boy is cute because I can't mm-hmm. do this staying at home with him all the time thing. I don't know how stay at home parents do it, but they are superheroes and rock stars. They are, and that's why I'm not a stay at home parent. <laughs> Three years old is rough. You know. Yeah, you know, as I put into our chat earlier, it is um, the terrible twos, the terroristic threes, the fearsome fours, and the fuck it all fives. I mean, listen, I'm ready to fast forward. Motion. How did my light just go off already? (laughs) (laughs) Did you like that dance there? Motion. Motion. Um. So, uh, my son's daycare is closed. Well, his classroom is on quarantine for the week because there was a positive case in his class. And um, he broke my toe today with his rocking horse. And Saturday. So, the thing is, he's just. And I hate to say it like this because it sounds like gender roles. But, like, in the South, we'd say he's just all boy. He is rough yes. and tumble and loves to wrestle. But Saturday, mm-hmm. he, he landed his foot right square in my crotch. And I just rolled over and cried. And Why are you cutting out so bad? Do what? You're cutting out, like, real bad. Um, I guess we're breaking up, I guess. Oh, okay. Bye. Um... I don't know. Do we need to restart this recording? No, I think it's fine. I think it's probably just on my end. Um, so it's fine. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been a rough few days. He also told me, and I know it's not what he meant to say, because three-year-olds don't have a mm-hmm. super great grasp of the language yet, but he told me today that he likes to be mean to me because it makes me cry. And I was like, well... Aww. I don't know where to go from here. I'm going to call my counselor while you're taking a nap. We're both going to have <laughs> some some uh, stress relief at nap time, aren't we? And then I just like went and cried in a quarter. Daddy needs to call his therapist. <laughs> Look at you normalizing therapy for your child. I love it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love that journey. Well, and... Um. You know, in adoption cases, I really feel strongly that there should be therapy involved. And so while he's still young, you know, Dr. Sarah and I have both discussed how we think therapy will be important when he's a little bit older. Um, Because he'll have a lot of questions that we're happy to answer, but we also want to make sure they're answered in the um, safest way for him, like the healthiest way for him. Um, Obviously, we will always be open about it, but we want to make sure that what we are doing is for his best interest. So therapy has always been a like normal oh. thing in our conversation. Always, always, always. So there we go. What I'm telling you is I'm the picture of perfect parenting, but also I cried a lot today during nap time. So I don't look for me to write a book anytime uh, soon. You know, half of parenting is just crying in the corner. So oh, you're, you're nailing it. Crushing you're doing really it. good. 
thriving even you are thriving well tell me what's going on in your life well a lot of things are going on in my life actually um i didn't mention mentioning this so you know surprise no uh, (laughs) um i am working on starting another little side podcast it's much shorter it's not as in-depth as this one um aaron's trying to get rid of me is what she's saying no, no, no. It's it's, I mean, it's called two different not topics. so lifetime sentence, and it's about crimes that you don't get a full. I'm just kidding. Your turn. <laughs> no, it's called Why Are Men, and it's just about you. Oh, thank God! I what I really need <laughs> is just one entire property dedicated to me. Just one media outlet that I can be like, listen, if you ever want to, just instead of resumes, when I start applying for jobs again, I'm just going to direct them to your URL. So I need you to get that whipped out quickly. Perfect. No, so it's just me and a friend. We're just talking shit about people we've dated and um, people on dating apps and um, the messages that people send us and just kind of stuff like that. Just, you know, it's just, it's just kind of light and fun and it should be really fun. So We've already laid down some audio. We're, you know, but we're working on getting set up. So look out for that if you are so inclined. And if not, if it's not your bag, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Once it's up, we'll make sure to include it on all of our socials because we support each yeah. other's endeavors in and out we of do. lifetime sentence. And I, you know, it's just like a little like outlet for screaming into the void about why men have the audacity. Oh, I know. So I will say, and I say this all the time to y'all, so it's not like it's a secret. I just had no idea. I had no idea. For one, Sarah and I started dating at 19 and we were just done. Like we didn't need to look for any other partners, you know? Um, So I did not have to date in a Tinder world. I've also never been a woman. So I'm at a complete disadvantage in understanding what women are going through right now until y'all send me screenshots from any dating. And it's not even like, it could be Christian Minkle when they're fucked up. Like, Mm -hmm. plenty of fish, match, Tinder. I don't care who it is. Y'all, inevitably, any one of my friends who's in the dating world right now will send me a screenshot of, like, some guy with a mullet and overalls with no t-shirt that's like, if you don't know how to beg like a dog, I don't want that bitch in my life. And it's like, who do you think you're attracting with that? Yeah. Um, That's a really good question. (laughs) (laughs) So that's said. I'm excited to hear what y'all have to say. My friend and I are just are just getting back into like um dating uh she just got out of a marriage you know i i mean not just but got out of a relationship a little while ago and you know i'm just kind of we're reapproaching that and we're doing it in a different way right because really tinder wasn't really a thing right um and so we're kind of navigating that and you know we're just taking advantage of the stories we hear. I mean, it was kind of inspired by our little fuckboy Olympics um, sub discord channel that we have going in ours and our group chat that, you know, has just a plethora of idiocy. So it's always an adventure. So I just, I want to write a book 
where I use these profiles as each chapter. Like I want each profile to be the inspiration for a new chapter, but I haven't been able to figure out how to work mm-hmm. this out. But like, you can't create characters as shitty as the people y'all send me screenshots of. No, it's absolutely impossible. Impossible. So, and then the other thing I'm doing is getting ready for sorority recruitment. And I turned in my apartment, my old apartment keys over the weekend. And then I started hand lettering because I was like, you know what? I don't have enough to do. I don't have enough going on. I need something else to do. Right. I get it. I get it. So, you know, this is why, like, when we were in D.C., and every building we passed by, I'd be like, oh, my God, wouldn't it be so cool to work in there? And you were like, do you ever stop working? And I said, no, I, I don't. You're right. Right. No. Okay. So we didn't talk about this when we were in D.C., but we would pass a building and you would stop in complete awe with, like, stars in your eyes. And you're like, can you imagine coming into this building every day and thinking, like, okay, this is where I work? And I was like, Aaron, I'm taking a year where I don't think about work except for writing my book, which is not going well. But the last thing I need to think about is being a congressional aide and how stressful that would be for me. Like, don't put me in that situation. First of all, let's make it clear that we were talking about the Capitol building and a Supreme Court building. And in no scenario am I an aide oh, in either of those buildings. No, in yours, in mine. I. Pfft. Nobody is ever going to like me enough to put me in a position of power because I will, as my first official act of anything, be like, uh, all pizza is tax-free, but only if it's in the shape of penises. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, I mean, we all know I can't have nice things. This is why I have Dr. Sarah to keep no. me in the world, like, oh, and as straight and narrow as possible. And by straight and narrow, I mean, there's still a big wobble to the path she keeps me on, but that's as close as we can get. I know. Unfortunate soul. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. So, I don't, yeah. I don't want to talk That's about... That's the difference between me and Paul. Right. I don't want to talk about this shit show yet, so I have one important question. Okay. How many okay. hours of Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders have you watched since we got home? <laughs> the limit does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, my aunt came over yesterday to help me unpack some, like, final things to get some stuff hung up and, like, just kind of done and done. And um, we sat, like, whenever we would take a break, we'd sit down and watch DCC. Yeah, well, why not? Um, I know. Now, have you heard about... And we ended up watching, like, the first season, so... Have you heard about DACA or net neutrality since returning from DC? I have not. Um, I live in Texas, so mostly all the ads I see are for trucks. Oh, good. So, yeah, that's my little, like, oh, and they're, like, half of them are in English and the other half are in Spanish, which is fine. Like, it doesn't bother me, but it's just funny. Like, the the juxtaposition of what we were watching in D.C. versus <laughs> right. down here. It's so funny. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't really don't want to buy. I don't really want to buy a Chevy Silverado in English or in Spanish. <laughs> right. So. Okay. Well. Are we gonna have to like do this? Oh yeah. Hey, this is lifetime sentence, and I'm Paul. I'm Aaron. 
And today, Erin's going to tell you. This is our final episode. Erin's <laughs> going to tell you about the most successful makeup sales lady who's ever existed. That's not what we're talking about. Did I research the wrong Mary Kay? Yes. Because I am talking about a pink Lincoln for about four pages. Okay, well, that'll be a nice palate cleanser to what I'm going to talk about. You know, it's, I was actually really surprised when you picked this one, because I gave you a list, and I was like, pick one of these. Well, I gave you two. I gave you two. <laughs> it was a very long um, list of two names. And, yeah. Um, and I was surprised, but it's back to school time. So why not? Today was the first day of school in this area. Yeah. Why not traumatize all of the parents? Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Today, I watched All American Girl: Colon The Mary Kay Letourneau Story. Why is that the name? No, canceled. Oh, I literally. My, the first thing I wrote was, I already take issue with this title, so let's go. <laughs> I believe it was because her father ran for president. <laughs> I talk about his point. political career in a little bit, so. Oh, it's real bad. You know, what's funny is that she and I have, like, I'm, like, three degrees connected to her. Um, because he, he ran against George Wallace. Um, my great uncle is the only person to ever beat George Wallace in a political race. Wow. And that was for the governor of Alabama. So that's your history lesson for the day, kids. And with that, we're just going to sign off because I don't want to talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) Mary Kay Cosmetics was founded. Mm -hmm. I went through my notes several times to make sure that I was using the right language to describe the events of this movie. Um, However, if I missed one and I say something incorrectly, I apologize in advance because let me be like perfectly clear. This was rape. This was sexual assault. This was molestation of a child. This was like pedophilia. It's disgusting. And that is where I stand on the issue. Um, Retreat, retweet, cosign, cosign. So uh, this movie, our good old friend Penelope Ann Miller is back. You will remember her from the college admission scandal, the New York prison break, and Scared Silent, which are all movies we've done. Yeah. Um, And then we have, she plays Mary Kay Letourneau, and then we have Omar Anguiano, who plays Billy Falau. Um, He is from The Shield and Dragnet. Okay. Um, we open in Kent Jail in surpri- Surprise, Washington, Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> in July of 1997, Mary Kay is in a group therapy type session where everyone in the group goes around and is talking about the heinous sexual crimes they committed against children. Yay! Oh, how how fun! I don't want to open on Pedophilia Anonymous. Yeah. Um. Of course, Mary Kay does not consider herself an abuser, so she's very upset by this. Um. They switch to her putting on makeup while a radio news host talks about the story. Um. They take Collins, proving that men have always been trash. 
quote, any guy in the world would want that. And I just wrote in all caps, it's sexual assault. And yeah, maybe when you're 12, it does sound cool to hook up with your teacher. But let's also make a list of everything 12-year-old boys think is cool and see what holds up. Right. Fortnite, flipping water bottles, fidget spinners, and saying penis at every opportunity. Like, we've now... I mean, okay, I've just also listed adult males. So we just never grow up. Yeah. No. Um, Back in jail... um, MK, I just call her MK for the rest of this. Uh, her psychiatrist asked her to tell the thing, like tell her the whole story like a story. She's because Mary Kay's like, I don't know how to start, and she's like, just tell me like it's a story because it is a story, you dumb bitch. Um, she's like, well, once upon so a starts- time, I was a princess and my best friend was a king in a castle and. No, but she does start with a pretty heavy one. She says, quote, October 10th, 1995. I died on that day. Okay, so I know what happened, but I don't like, I don't like that that's how they set it up. Seeing as in this movie, she's very much alive. I think she might be exaggerating. Keep though just a little, just a hair. Um, yeah. yeah. Mary Kay is hanging out at home with her kids. They're all dancing to a church song, which is just weird. I'm a Baptist. It gives me the ig. Like I don't <laughs> like it. And this is 1995, so like <laughs> the best we're getting is Selah that they're dancing to. Sayla used to come perform at our church when I was younger. So that's who I'm invited to perform with in um, Carnegie Hall in January. I don't think I'm going to make it, but. That's so cool. Um, no, they're, they're dancing. I believe it's to I'll Fly Away. Yes. But I could be wrong. I choose, it's one of those. It's I choose those, to believe like, they were twerking to I'll Fly Away. Jesus loves a good twerk. He does. Um... <laughs> She receives a call that her father has prostate cancer. She goes into the bathroom to tell her husband, who's like, oh, well, people live a long time with that. And when she elaborates that they've given him three months to two years to live, he's just like, oh, well, that sucks. Fair. Which, like, dude. Like, well, I mean, you could do a little better. I mean, what I know of this guy, this is really on par. Yeah, he sucks. Here's the thing. This movie and every all the main characters in the story suck. All of them. Yes. Now, Billy Flaw was a child, so he just, he is a product of his environment. But, like, all the adults in this movie suck. They're terrible. Every 1, single one of them. There's not a redeeming character in this story. Um, I just can't. So... Back at the prosecutor's office, the lady prosecutor thinks they should nail MK to the wall forever. And MK's lawyer is like, but she's like a great mom and a great teacher, aside from that like little thing where she raped a 13-year-old boy. So maybe you should just stop being such a fucking buzzkill all the time. Just a, just a tiny little thing. Like, we've all messed up. If you prick us, do we not bleed? 
the psychiatrist thinks Mary Kay just needs medication for her bipolar disorder to make her more reasonable. MK is back in her jail cell in the dark pumping breast milk, which Billy's mother then comes to pick up. Billy is standing outside the jail, holding onto the gate with both hands and just staring off into the distance just to show how he's so, such a forlorn, lovesick young man. Okay, good, good. In group, in group therapy, the other ladies start pressing MK for what she did, and one of them finally comes out and is like, oh, she raped a sixth grader. And that woman is Ronnie from Schitt's Creek, so we stand. For real? Yes! Although, she plays a criminal in this that did really bad things, too, so... <laughs> I just didn't... Like, it was in the first scene where she talks about what she did, and I just, like, I couldn't, so I didn't put it in. Right. <laughs> um, MK insists that it wasn't rape, because she and Billy are in love. And so the other inmates start making fun of her... And so she storms out, which really, it's just how you storm out in prison, which I guess means you just bang on the door until a guard comes and takes you away. <laughs> it's really, really not that effective. Anticlimactic storming. I love it. Really it is. It's like hanging up on somebody with an iPhone. Okay. That is the thing work. I hate about cell phones the most. There's a real- It's not the same. I have an office phone over here. That I, I wish all phones still had the satisfying kudang whenever you hang it up. Or like a flip phone. When I had a flip phone, I'd just be like, click. Uh-huh. Like one little angry castanet. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> angry castanet. Um, she complains to her psychiatrist because she's going to have to tell her children that she's a child molester. And she isn't a child molester. She's just in love with a 13-year-old. That's all. <laughs> I can't. I fucking can't. Okay. Her psychiatrist explains to her that legally, yes, she is in fact a child molester. <laughs> um, that's really and... that's really bad. Because the, the way you said that, it's like they're having to split hairs with her. But like, that's not a hair. That's a fucking tree trunk. Mm-hmm. Um, she pleads with her to find something mentally wrong with her so she won't be considered a child molester anymore which isn't a thing even if you're found to be criminally insane you're still a child molester right um, she goes on and on about how the people she's in the group with hurt children and she's just not a person that would hurt a child yes you are you are. I can't. Um, anyways, MK starts talking about how her dad was dying and she had a miscarriage and her marriage was crap, which are all things to be upset about and maybe seek a therapist over, but not things to, like... Rape children over? Try and seduce a, a young child into letting them... Letting you rape them. Yeah. Yeah. Just no. She... We flash back to when she's teaching... She's teaching a class one day in a skirt suit, and Billy tells her that she should dress sexier because she's so beautiful. Um, he turns in his art project, which is a Georgia O'Keeffe rendition. They're emulating, like, their favorite paintings. Um, okay. 
And I wonder how much Dilly of, gets sent to the office. I wonder how much of this is artistic license because you know the theory behind George O'Keefe, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I figured you did because you're not uncultured. Mm-mm. Um. So then Dilly gets into the office for acting like a 13 year old. Weird. Um. She escorts him, and he continues to make fun of her clothes, which hurts her feelings, and so he apologizes, and then he asks her what's the matter, and then she starts to cry, and then she starts to tell him about her horrible marriage and her horrible father and her horrible baby and her horrible life to this, like, 13-year-old child, and I I can't. So now's where we need to talk about healthy boundaries. (laughs) Oh, there are no boundaries with anyone in this fucking movie. No, there's not. Um, Billy and his friends go out and set fires and do things that I guess kids do. I don't know. Um, and the cops come, but Billy talks his way out of it. He goes home and his mother sends him to bed. But instead, he goes upstairs and starts drawing a portrait of Mary Kay. Uh, meanwhile, MK is at home writing in her journal. The students and MK and some other teachers all go on a backpacking field trip. Billy's walking with her and asks, and he's like, oh, where does the road go? And she's like, the campsite? <clears throat> and he's like, no, not this road. Our road. And instead of saying something smart, like, we don't have a road, I'm your teacher, she just stares at him. <laughs> Do you remember me sharing? What was? Go ahead. What was the? What was the movie we covered a while ago where I kept just saying like this could have all ended right here? Oh man, I mean I feel like we've done that a couple times. That's a deep cut, but this is the same type of movie. Uh huh. Um, 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 so here's, here's the thing I will say. Do you remember me reading you the emails that had to be released it from the litigation of, um, the movie from last week? And mm-hmm. we hear like, we, I read you like lifetime trying to make a more salacious movie. Like this <laughs> is, this is 100% that they did not need to more salacify this story. It's already fucked up enough. It is really fucked up. Um, later, he sits by the fire and smokes a cigarette and Mary Kay joins him and she at least takes away his cigarette, so that's nice. Um, but they both can't sleep, so they sit up and talk instead. And MK talks about her father and asks Billy about his father. He tells her that his father's in prison. Um... And nothing about this conversation is untoward. So this is like the one nice part of the movie. (laughs) Okay, good. The calm before the storm. Yeah. Um, Another teacher comes around the corner and shoes Billy off to his tent to go to sleep. And and MK starts swooning like a schoolgirl to her friend who is like, you're joking, right? (laughs) i was gonna say like let's hear it for this friend but she didn't say anything to anyone after this so like you only get participation credit girl yeah um back in jail she also swoons to the psychiatrist 
The psychiatrist asks about her father again and his run for president against Nixon, taking George Wallace's place after he was shot. And I, like I mentioned before, I have a family connection to George Wallace, and he should have definitely not been president anyway. So, right. Um, she flashes back to helping her father with his campaign with what looks like her one million brothers and sisters. Um, <laughs> they, she tells the psych. <laughs> they have a big family, How but many I. Yeah. She tells us... Oh, this made me so mad. Um, She tells the psychiatrist that no one could ever live up to her dad until Billy came along. He's 13! I need you to make it make sense! Make it make sense! Tell me why. I don't know. Your father, this grandfather figure in your life, has been replaced by a 13-year-old boy? I don't know what... Have you ever seen a 13-year-old boy? They're disgusting. I, yeah, I used to teach them for 10 years. For 10 mm-hmm. years, I taught 13-year-old boys. Um, I don't know if this is more telling of Mary Kay or of her father, though. Like, Oh, we're going to get to her father. Okay. Um, We cut to Billy sitting outside of Mary Kay's house with his friends talking about how he's going to hook up with her. Um, in present time, Billy gives a radio interview where the host describes Mary Kay as, quote, every boy's wet dream of a sixth grade teacher. And she's not unattractive, but it's not like she's super hot. So I don't get it. Is it like Schrodinger's teacher where the teacher is both hot and not hot until you open the box and see if she wants to sleep with one of her students? Yeah, I... I'd... Okay, so in the sixth grade, I did not have any hot teachers. Like, there was not a teacher that I would have said I would have gone after if I even, like, were remotely interested, right? But also in the I sixth... I had one teacher that I would have, like, dated, and he was my bowling coach in college, and he was basically a TA. He was, like, two years old. Than me. <laughs> right. Um, but when I was in the sixth grade, I was still under the impression that Carmen Electra and Pamela Anderson were the ideal women. Yes. <laughs> and those people did not teach sixth grade. Like, This is why I'm saying, like, it must be like Schrodinger's teacher where it's like, she's hot, but only if she wants to fuck you. Right. Right? I, I don't get it. Um. Anyways. Oh, God. Um... They ask him how she smells, which is so gross. With your nose, you fucking idiot. (laughs) Um, And then we flash to the prison where everyone is also listening to the interview, which is fucking weird. Wait, who's listening to this interview? I was writing. Sorry. All the all the prisoners like in the prison can you they're all just like sitting around a radio with mary Kay, and mary Kay's like mm. uh, uh, and like all the people are like sitting around her like the fuck is going on here i i have now created this mental image that she was like mouthing along with the interview like she had written this script you know like when people are very proud of the thing they said yeah <laughs> oh, God. um motion <clears throat> Oh, boy. Um, she meets with her psychiatrist again. And this is going to be a flow of thought, so just st- stick with me until the end. Okay. Great. 
great. She meets with her psychiatrist again, who she tells that Billy is just like an artist and like a free spirit and like a old soul, you know, whatever. Um, and she says that she knew Billy was a prodigy in second grade, but my brain was like, she has to be saying seventh grade or my head's going to explode. But no, 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 no. She means the second fucking grade. Do you know how... This is something that I did not know. I did not know that she taught him in the second grade. I want to fucking kill someone. Yeah. So, not... I'm so glad that Lifetime went there because so many of the news outlets of the time did not mention that. And it was not a secret, but it was like a footnote in their story and not even like part of the narrative. But like, that's part of the fucking narrative. Well, and I... I don't want to blame the times, but also like, I feel like we weren't having these conversations around like grooming and things like that. Oh, absolutely not. Those are more modern conversations as we kind of explore um, this type of crime. So, I mean, I guess they didn't put it in because they didn't think it was relevant, but like, oh my God. Um, Billy's in the dark place in class and didn't turn in his science project. So to bring him back down to earth, Mary Kay does what they did in second grade and they play heart and soul together on the piano. I'm okay. She tells him I'm I'm trying to picture this. I'm trying to picture and I don't want to be picturing this, but I'm trying to picture a seductive heart and soul situation where you're like mm-hmm. I'll play the left hand. Bum, ba, da, 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 da. Like, and then you throw one yeah. wink over your right shoulder. Well, they, she doesn't wink at him, but like they sit next to each other and they play. And then she's like, okay, like you have a lot of potential, but if you don't turn in your science project, you're going to fail. And then she's like, she's like, I know you can do this. And then she does that thing, you know, when you're flirting with somebody, but you don't want to like seem like you're flirting with them. So you like bump shoulders with them. Oh yeah. Okay. Like, if you're sitting there, and she's like, you know, oh, it's, I'll never do that again. <laughs> yes, I'm, no. They go back to Mary Kay's childhood and all the Catholic schools she went to. Um, she tells a story about her brother was molesting her, but she insisted it wasn't a big deal because she finally told him to stop, and he did. Um, and the psychiatrist is like, oh, this sounds super made up. So MK prison storms out again. She like gets up and she's like, <laughs> till the guard comes. <laughs> but then they just take the psychiatrist to herself. So it's not like she even got away. She <laughs> just changed location. It's like when you throw a hissy fit as a four-year-old and your mom's like, you have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. You run away to the back porch and your mom's like, oh. <laughs> this one. Um, oh God. Mary Kay calls Billy her I can't say this word without vomiting in my mouth a little bit. Her soulmate? No. Ugh. I literally I hate that term so much. It's so gross. Okay. 
um, the psychiatrist asks her if she can only enjoy sex when it's illicit, and we flash back again to Billy trying to look up Mary Kay's skirt when she hangs Easter decorations, which is just, I mean, that's what romance is made of. Listen. Talk. I'm listening. No, no, I'm, you just, I was agreeing with you. That is, in fact, what true love is made of. Oh God! Um, when when Sarah and I first met, she was on the ladder, and I was just looking straight up, and that's how she knew it was true love. Yeah. Then she kicked you in the face, <laughs> and you woke up, and you're like, "Why am I in prison?" Right, exactly. <laughs> she jumped off the ladder and onto my body, and I don't mean in any kind of sexy way. <laughs> I mean, I had 14 broken bones. So Billy asks Mary Kay how someone knows if they're like good like in bed and I mean that's even more romantic so Mary Kay tells him that the question shouldn't be whether he's good it should be whether he's in love um he continues to try to romance her and she eats it up saying she has a feeling that he'll be in her life for a very long time and then as like a as a throwaway on the end, she says, maybe you'll marry my daughter or something. Oh, okay. Then they race, they race to the tree and fall down together. Um, in her cell back at jail, MK carves hashtag Amore into her wall. Like, I didn't even know hashtags were a thing in the 90s. <laughs> I don't... That's when they were still pound signs. Yeah, yeah. When was this movie made? 2000. So there weren't even hashtags then. What were they doing? No. I don't know. Um, <sighs> Billy's mother brings the baby for a visit. MK leaves a note in, for Billy in the car seat about how much she misses him and loves him. She tells the psychiatrist that it's not right to separate her from her children. And we flash back again to when her little brother drowns in the family pool, which is really sad. Um, she talks about deciding to transfer to the University of Maryland after that happened, but unfortunately, she got pregnant first, and at the insistence of her parents, she married Steve Letourneau. Um, okay. We get a montage of her complaining about her marriage, and we flash back again to 1996 at school with Billy, when Billy tells her that he's in love with someone. And they kind of dance around there. And I'm going to say this with huge air quotes. Attraction. Oh, great. Okay. Um, which, yeah. Her teacher friend walks in and Billy rushes out. She tells Mary Kay that Billy is clearly in love with her. And Mary Kay just starts giggling. And then is like, don't be silly. And I just like... I, I hate this movie. Um... Billy starts calling her late at night to play songs to her on the guitar, um, which, A, I hate that, and, two, if you wake me up to play me a song on the guitar, I'm going to hunt you down and break that guitar over your head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're all working, so her and her students are all working on the yearbook one day, and the janitor kicks them out of school so he can, like, do his job. So Mary Kay just invites everyone over to her house to work, except only Billy comes over, which I feel is, like, against... A lot of rules. Like, so many rules. Yeah. Yes. 
And again, with the huge air quotes, they flirt. And I am just so grossed out by it, I can't. Villy pushes her on the swing while one of her kids watches. Um, and then Villy and MK take an art class together, drawing nudes. And now we're just crossing lines like the DCC crosses the field during the game. <laughs> they're just shuffling, like, they're this, just shuffling over those lines with their pom-poms. This is where Lifetime was like, you know what? No one's fucking watching anymore. Let's throw in a nude modeling class. See who notices. They like ice cream off each other's fingers and then make out, and I have to clean my eyes out with bleach after that. I, um... Hey, Aaron, my, and I just my the mom caveat is here. calling me. I'll be back when you're finished talking about this movie. Um, yes, mom. <laughs> I just threw a caveat in here that I wasn't even attracted to the 13-year-old boys when I was a 13-year-old girl. So. <laughs> God. Um, prosecutor goes to talk to Villy's mom. To, or no, it's not the prosecutor. Um, the defense attorney goes to talk to Villy's mom to see if she'll testify that MK should be released. And all she says, she's like, um, what the fuck? <laughs> that's what she said? Yeah, that's what she said. I was like, no, she just says that. that, um, she just says that Mary Kay never said she was sorry for what she did to her family. Um, and back in prison, Mary Kay is acting like a 13 year old girl gushing over Billy and their relationship, which is not, Real. It's not a fucking thing. We flash back again to when Billy's brother walks in on him and Mary Kay making out, and his face was just... Poor kid. It was chef's kiss. It was great. He was... No, he's older, and he's just like... He walks in, and he's like... And then he closes the door. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So he calls Billy out into the hallway and is like, hey, can you stop making out with your teachers? That would be great. Thank you. Um, Mary Kay sneaks out of the house and runs into Billy's mom in the driveway and asks her if Billy can spend the night to hang out with her son. And his mother says, oh, Mary Kay, thank you so much. You're just too good. Poor thing. Billy and the kids watch TV while Mary Kay and her husband fight about money. He throws his beer bottle into the sink and breaks it, so Billy rushes the kids upstairs. Um, Mary Kay accuses him of having an affair, and he's like, well, of course I'm having an affair. Um, You're the worst. And he advances on her and starts scooping her face um, while one of the kids listens from around the corner, and I just that just broke my heart. Yeah. Um, Billy, after this, Billy pieces the fuck out, which he should have just done and like kept doing forever um but instead he comes back and feeds her ice cream and does she not know how to use a spoon i'm really confused about the ice cream feeding situation here listen that's a three-year-old skill maybe she just skipped over it um she and billy go parking and i literally couldn't even watch this these scenes they're so gross like if you think about the context like they're disgusting um, the police catch them, but they, when they call Billy's mother, she vouches for Mary Kay and says that she's a family's friend who is helping to take care of her son, so they let them leave. I have more information on that Mary- particular phone call in my notes. Mary Kay goes home and writes about how she wants to have Billy's babies, and so I just started drinking. 
Um, yeah, like I'm looking around my office and... thinking this was the worst idea to record in here tonight. Mm-hmm. They go back to her office and, um, or sorry, her house, and Billy continue convinces her to let her rape him on her couch while her family is asleep upstairs. And someone please come and put me out of my fucking misery. Um, she tells the psych that Billy pursued her, quote, as a man pursues a woman. So, of course, she never thought that as the adult in the situation, she was the one in control. And I need whoever to made this movie to go directly to jail. Right? Also... Just drive to jail. Mary-Kate, is that what happened? Or did you just accidentally leave, like, slow jams on and you, and you just heard mm-hmm. the lyrics? I don't know. Like, Percy and, Sledge and came movie, on... And, and, this movie, especially in the light of, like, Me Too and, you know, all the things we have learned about sexual assault, especially assault of minors, um, in the last, like, 20 years, this movie really... Did not age well? No. They kind of show him as, like, begging her to be with him, and I'm like, you could have... They could have done it differently. There was definitely a different way they could have put this together. Yeah. But that's, I guess, that's neither here nor there at this point. Um, Please don't make another movie about this case, please. Um, um, So, Billy shows up at the school one day, and MK starts telling him that he needs to go to middle school. Middle school! And forget about her. I'm sorry. So... I picture these kinds of conversations do happen, but because they're between two 12-year-olds. Just, Aaron, I just, we're, we've grown apart. You just need to go to middle school and forget about me. Like, that's a thing that happens. This is like, this is like how you break up with your, your high school boyfriend when you go to college and discover college guys. Right. Um, so Billy gets really mad and he grabs her and he just yells in her face, recess is over. (laughs) I was like, God, that doesn't even make sense. But I'm dying laughing because it's so funny. (laughs) Life Um, was like, how can we remind them that he's in elementary school? Say recess, say recess. Now, how can we make this a line? Recess is over. Nailed it. Her teacher friend sees the exchange and tells Mary Kay that she may need to do something about Billy, but Mary Kay just tells her that she doesn't understand. And I guess she's not wrong, but not for the reason that she thinks she is. Right. <laughs> um, Mary Kay assures her that she just doesn't want to abandon Billy like everyone else in his life has. Um, but then she goes home and takes a test, and Mary Kay is pregnant. Oh, you said a she test. She thinks it's a I, miracle. I should have known that that's where we were in the story, but instead I was like, and she's a winter. I <laughs> 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 believe I just snorted. Um, she thinks it's a miracle. Billy, not so much. Um, he cries, and back in prison, Mary's attorney tries to get her to take the bipolar med- medication, but she refuses. He and the psychiatrist try to convince her to take it, 
her lawyer assures her that he's going to get her out of all this, but this is the only way, so she takes the medicine. Um, Mary Kay's husband finds out about the baby, um, that it's Billy's by reading her journal, and he freaks the fuck out, but then he beats the shit out of her, so I'm like, you're trash, so, um... And then he goes to Billy's house to tell him that Mary Kay is his wife. No! Not Billy's girlfriend. And I was like, can we just all take a minute and remember? This is a 13-year-old boy that a grown-ass man is confronting on his front porch about his wife sleeping with him, but not sleeping with him, being raped by him. And I just, like, my brain is... I can't. Like, it physically hurts my brain. Again, these are conversations that happen at school all the time. That is my girlfriend. We held hands in front of the movie theater until our moms came to pick us up. That's how that conversation goes. It is not a 30-something-year-old man. Aaron, I'm done. Can you imagine... Can you imagine being this guy and, like, going back and, like, in your memory and being like, I once went to a 13-year-old boy's house and told him to stay away from my wife? And didn't call the police. No. Um, at the hospital, because Mary Kay got beaten up, so she goes to the hospital, um... Mary Kay makes Billy promise to never, ever, ever tell anyone about them, ever, ever. And then he shows her a picture he drew, and she touches her face and calls him, quote, my brilliant boy. And, that, like, I just threw up all over the floor at that point. I was like, I'm done. Um, not that I don't think our listeners know this, but just as a teacher, because I will always be a teacher, even though I'm not currently teaching, please... Mm-hmm. Please teach your kids that adults don't ask children to keep secrets for them. Like, like that's something I feel very strongly about because lots of people, like our generation was not taught that. No. And I just feel like that is something that we have already started teaching our son. And I- that there's a difference between a surprise and a secret because a surprise eventually is allowed to be told. And so, like, if I mm-hmm. say we can't tell mom until her birthday, that's very different than we can yeah. never tell mom. Yeah, and it's very... I feel like this happened a lot when we were younger, and this this particular case kind of took off for whatever reason, I don't even really understand why, because it's not even... I guess because she got pregnant, because it's not even all that different. Oh, it's um, because but, she got to be on the cover of People magazine. That's why it took off. Oh, okay. So, anyways, you're going to tell me about that, because they don't cover that here. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, the police receive an anonymous tip that there is a teacher pregnant with a 13-year-old child's baby. They bring Billy in for questioning, and he immediately gives up he's like yep we're fucking and i'm like nope that's not what you're doing but okay um mary Kay gets arrested she also folds immediately so they're both really bad at keeping secrets we can tell that right off the bat. right um the scene is super awkward um both mary Kay and billy's interrogators are like going after them the detective with billy 
stops to explain what sex is in case he did he wasn't sure even though he's talking about quote unquote having sex with his te- like that's what he's saying he's saying he had sex with his teacher because in his 13 year old mind that's what he was doing right um this detective has never really, been around children and is like it's really odd he's like do you not know what sex is and he's like i'm literally talking about sex right now like what are you talking like oh god i can't um and then over in her inter- interrogation room mary Kay's detective is just screaming at her which at least feels warranted <laughs> like you know what you go you girl. know what i would even prefer <laughs> mary Kay's detective to be talking to her the exact same way like do you know what sex is has anyone told you about it before ma'am ma'am <laughs> Billy calls Mary Kay his rapist his soulmate Ugh. and um Mary Kay is like, you know what? I think I need a lawyer. So Billy's mom <laughs> She's is finally super had pissed one good thought. Mm-hmm. Billy's mom is super pissed about the situation. I don't. I don't say that. I don't mean that she's pissed at him. She's pissed about the situation, and she takes it out on Billy, kind of in the wrong way. She starts screaming at him, and she's like hitting right. him, which is not the best result. But I understand like that feeling when you are like scared for your child's life and you, they have done something so incredibly like stupid and dangerous that you're just like what the fuck like I just want to beat the crap out of you right I understand the sentiment um, but I don't beat the crap out of my kid because yeah um, Mary Kay goes and says goodbye to her children who she cannot have any contact with while um, Billy over in his home destroys the entire house screaming about wanting to kill Mary Kay's husband um, and how the cop explained sex to him and so that's stupid too and then he threatens to kill himself and says that he should be arrested instead of Mary Kay and like this is why 13 year olds are too young to be making decisions about sexual relationships right because they don't have the emotional bandwidth to deal with the consequences of sexual relationships and I don't want to be the person that's like abstinence because like, that's not the thing. Like you can't be in an adult relationship with a child because children don't have the emotional bandwidth to be in an, an adult relationship. That's why they're children. Right. <sighs> I hate everything. So, um, Billy's mom calls Mary Kay and asks her to meet her like in an alleyway or a dark park or somewhere and Mary Kay has some fucking balls because she goes. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mama tells Mary Kay that she's like, you broke our trust. Um, meanwhile, Mary Kay's husband swears he didn't call the cops on her and it was his cousin and she's like, whatever, like, fuck off, which I get that, but just not for the reasons that she said it. Right. Like, he's a trash human, but the the trashiness is not from, like, this situation. The trashiness is just from his general, like, demeanor. Um, she's going to sleep in the van because that way she's not sleeping under the roof with her children. And her her poor son watches her get in the van and he cries, like, standing in the window. And I just... God, my heart breaks for these kids. Um, Mary Kay tells the psychiatrist that if she broke up with Billy, she would die. 
Mm. Just feels like another exaggeration. Yeah. We flash back again. We flash back again to Mary Kay's childhood home, where it turns out that her father had two children with one of his students. Yeah. So I guess the apple really doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> Do um, shitty ideas run in the family or? Mary Kay goes to meet with her. This, I, oh God, I'm about to lose my shit. So buckle up, buttercup. Great, can't wait. Mary Kay goes to meet with her father and she tells him that she loves Billy and Billy loves her. And he's like, well, that's just great. I'm so glad that y'all are happy. And I just, can someone rescue me from the fucking Twilight Zone? What the hell is happening? Yeah, that's not a thing. My ring light just fell down. (laughs) (laughs) I was waving to keep my motion lights on and then I saw your light and I was like, what have I done? (laughs) Oh, shit. Um... He says he'll see what his political associates can do about her case. Um, Back inside, Mary Kay's mother is cleaning her kitchen and tells her to hire a cleaning lady because they're not that expensive. And I was like, girl, your daughter doesn't have a job right now. Uh, (laughs) And she's going to prison. She doesn't need a cleaning lady. Um, Her mother also drops the bomb that she had a talk with Mary Kay's husband. And as long as Mary Kay gives the new baby up for adoption, she'll be allowed to see her other kids again. So there are definitely boundary issues all over. Yeah, I'm not a fan of any of the things you just said. Yeah. um, The kids are going to stay with their grandparents. Mary Kay begs her parents not to take them, but they do anyways. Billy starts getting in fights at school, but he gets interrupted because Mary Kay goes into labor. Um, Shit. How are these low in batteries? Okay, um, so Billy comes to the hospital, which I thought wasn't allowed, but I guess they'd never really followed the rules before, so why would they start now? Right. Um, Mary Kay tells Billy's mom that CPS is going to come and take the baby, and Billy's mom is like, the fuck they are! So she agrees to take guardianship. Um, Mary Kay calls her parents to talk to the other children, but her husband has taken off with them. So she calls an airline and finds out that the plane changes in Seattle. And because this was the 90s and you could just walk into the airport any old time you wanted, she runs to meet them. They all have a very tearful goodbye. She tells her oldest son that she loves Billy, but she loves him more. Um, Back in jail, Mary Kay still refuses to acknowledge that her relationship was wrong. Um, She will only acknowledge the fact that she was having an affair and that was wrong. Oh, good. Um, Good. Back in the, back in the past, she and Billy lay around and talk about how to page each other codes, and I'm like, God, that's the fucking nineties. One four three nine one one. Yeah. Um. The psychiatrist asks her how she sees the long term effects on Billy, and she says, "Quote: I hope I taught him that sex is best in a loving relationship." And I was like, you cannot have a loving relationship with a child. Like a real loving romantic relationship with a child. That's just pedophilia. Right. That's not, that's not a loving relationship. That's abusive. Like, it's, I, I can't. Um, Mary Kay's mother comes to visit her in prison. She brings Mary Kay a sweater and then tells her not to get weepy because her eyes will get swollen and she has to look 
perfect so she can get probation. And I was like, man, that sounds like my mother. (laughs) (laughs) Her mother talks to her more about doing penance and giving the new baby and up for adoption. And Mary Kay's like, no, thank you. But her mom also brings her tampons to use as rollers because there's no excuse for not getting, not rolling your hair, even if you are in prison. And that's just a fact. Well Um, then. So Mary Kay gets, gets ready. She borrows lipstick from a guard the psychiatrist gets up and explains about her bipolar diagnosis and says Mary Kay just made a mistake. Billy's mother gets up and says she doesn't think it, it, this was even... Oh, God. Hold on. I need to center myself here. Oh, no. Sorry. Unacceptable. Billy's um, mother... Billy's mother... I don't like how you've repeated that Billy's Billy's mother... Huh? I said I don't like how you've repeated that multiple times. I don't like where we're going. I'm doing it on purpose. I'm beating it to death for a reason. Billy's mother gets up, says she doesn't even think this was a crime, and then my head exploded for like the thirtieth time. Um, yeah. She she begs for Mary's release. I. I, I don't understand. I, this I, whole I thing understand. is heartbreaking. Um, Mary reads her statement and they place Mary in community-based treatment. The judge tells her that it's up to her whether she goes to jail and lays out the very easy stipulations to her sentence, which she immediately fucks up because as she's leaving the courtroom, her pager goes off and it's one of Billy's codes. Mm. Mary Kay goes home and her hair starts to fall out for reasons I don't really know why she calls her husband and kids but nobody answers so when her pager goes off again what else can she do but go see Billy there's really no other options she puts on a terrible disguise and meets him at the mall which really seems smart and not at all fucking stupid Um, on on the phone later he tries to convince her to run away with him but she says no he needs to be a man now and he doesn't like that so he um hangs up on her which that's really the problem with dating dating teenagers as an adult right they're just not that on that same maturity level as you right Right. and Um, and if we have learned anything it's that mk is the pinnacle of maturation yeah 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 um This was so heartbreaking. Mary Kay's oldest son with his father asks him if he can call and talk to her, and he tells him no. She goes to dinner with her father, who, oh, God, this motherfucker. She goes to dinner with her father, who tells her that statutory rape used to only apply to men, and when it became a crime for everyone... He was the lead of the opposition, so clearly she's just getting political blowback from his stance, and oh. now I'm filled with rage. <laughs> oh my god. I just got lit up over that. Like, Oh my god. I am filled with rage. He tells her that she has to prove herself and go to therapy and do all her rehab steps and just do everything just right so she can start over. Um, Billy gets a new girlfriend, and Mary Kay starts to reconcile with some of her friends. She seems to be on the right track. Um, 
he calls her one day and her friend, her teacher friend answers the phone and is like, hey, you can't call here. Um, but the seed has been planted. Mary Kay heads out to the store, but somehow ends up in a car with Billy. And I hate when that happens. I hate when I go to H-E-B and I just end up in a car with a little boy. You know, I if I had a dollar for every time that happened, I would have zero dollars, which coincidentally, I have yeah. zero dollars. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so the police find them and Mary Kay gets arrested again. Bummer. Whatever. Um, quote, the police found a passport, $6,200 in cash, and a bundle of new baby clothes in the car with Mary and Billy. We go back to the courtroom where the judge rightfully reads MK to filth and sends her to jail for 89 months. And I was like, bye. Um, Mary is now serving seven and a half years in a Washington state prison for the crime of rape of a child. She gave birth to Billy's second child in October of 1998 in prison. Billy intends to marry Mary Kay, although he continues to see girls his own age. Oh my Mary God. Mary and Stephen Letourneau's divorce is final. Since she's been in prison, Mary has not spoken to her four children. They start playing the Collins again, and I just really want to jump out the window. Um, and the ending quote is, quote, Mary spent three months in isolation for smuggling letters to Billy through other inmates. Uh, Mary Kay Letourneau expects to be released in 2005, and that is the end. Thank God. Yeah. I'm ready to vomit now. Well, and the Except thing is, that I... like, this was released in 2000, and there's so much more that happens in this case. Yeah. So much more. It's wild. Yeah. Also, I just want to say, like, I want to take a minute to recognize the fact that I feel like really gets glossed over. Um, and this is not excusing her behavior in the least bit, but she's very clearly extremely mentally ill and needs to be Okay, I have that in my notes, too. Like, I talk about she, that. Like, that it's no grown-ass woman giggle, giggles over a 13... Like, it, it's so very clear that she needs real help and there is something wrong with her. And I don't mean, like... I don't know. It's just... I'm not trying to excuse her actions whatsoever. I'm just saying there's clearly a huge problem here that nobody talks about. Yeah, I wrote somewhere in my notes that... Um, she is diagnosed with bipolar. Bipolar doesn't mean you rape children, but it's clear that her mental illness was just brushed aside for so long. There were so many red flags that if she'd saw, if she'd been given treatment earlier, how would the story have changed? Yeah, it's it's just wild. I oh my god. Well, Aaron, I'm going is to terrible. open with a quote from Rolling Stone. Great. This is two paragraphs. Quote. In 1998, Mary Kay Letourneau appeared on the cover of People magazine with her first child, Audrey. And by first, they mean her first child with Billy. Um, Bathed in warm light with her blonde hair softly curling and her brown eyes doleful, Letourneau could easily have been confused with the subject of a generic Sears portrait if you didn't read the accompanying headline. The teacher and the sixth grader, mm-hmm. their bizarre story of obsessive love. And then there was this quote. Sixth grader. Pregnant again after <clears throat> trysting with her former pupil, Mary Kay Letourneau, 36, is back in prison and still defiant. 
The cover line read, beneath a line about Bruce Willis and Demi Moore's battle with their former nanny. This language, of course, was woefully inaccurate. Letourneau, who died of cancer Tuesday at 58, did not tryst with her former sixth grade pupil, Vili, F how do you pronounce his last name? Falau, Falau. thank you. I said Fwala in my head because I'd never heard it pronounced. <laughs> and it's spelled F-U-A-L-A-U-U, -A -A -U -U, so. Yeah, it's it's a weird yeah. spelling for sure, um, so. So, um, Letourneau did not tryst with her former sixth grade pupil, Vili Falau, with whom she had first had sex when she was 34 and he was 13. Despite the couple's claims mm. that the relationship was consensual and that they were deeply in love, according to any moral or legal definition, Letourneau had raped Falau, and putting her beatific maternity photo on the cover of People would be akin to publishing beefcake prison shots of Jeffrey Epstein. Get it, Rolling Stone. I mean, they're not no, wrong. I, they did not hold back. So I used Rolling Stone. I used Wikipedia. I used People from then and People from now because they definitely changed the way they reported on this in 30 years. Well, thank God. Right. Um, or in 20 years, I mean. But um, so <laughs> if this doesn't encapsulate everything that I feel about Mary Kay Letourneau, I don't know what does. I find it absolutely abhorrent that, and the media shitstorm that followed refused to admit the pure and simple truth that Vili Falau was raped. It opens it, this bigger conversation. It is abhorrent. Yeah. It's disgusting. It opens. And if it was a man with a little girl, it would have been totally different. Thank you for reading my next paragraph. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so it opens this bigger conversation that the media loves to skirt around even today. Even today in the world of the Me Too movement, the idea that men can be raped is still a taboo idea. It's better, but it's still it not. Is. It's still like this idea that people laugh at, you know? Um, and this is, to me, just a shining example of how deep toxic masculinity runs. Men cannot fathom the idea yeah. that they can be raped by women because we're simply too strong and too special and too unique and too amazing to be pr proven weak by women. So instead, you know, I go ahead. Sorry, I follow a guy on TikTok who would open for a while would very openly discuss his sexual assault. Uh -huh. Um, and then he had to stop because every time he would post something about it. Not just men, women would pop into the comments and say it was like anti-feminist of him to talk about his own sexual yeah. assault. And he was like, he was like, honestly, I can't talk about this anymore because it's putting me in a really bad mental space. Like I can't share about it anymore. And I just, I felt so terrible. Like, and we are garbage. So like, instead of now allowing this narrative to give a truthful and honest account of what happens more often than anyone would care to admit, the media raises their glass and toasts the literal child who was groomed and preyed upon by a woman 20 years his senior. It's despicable and every journalist who had a hand in turning the narrative this way should be stripped of their credentials and ashamed of themselves. And that's the soapbox that I pulled out to stand on. I might put it away, but only like, you know, when you put something away knowing you're going to get it in about 10 more minutes, that's me right now, so... <laughs> You know what? I'm with you. I'm with you. I I don't understand this because as the mother of a boy child. Yeah. Or even like a male identifying child. 
I would hit the fucking fan. Yeah. I would be Hurricane Aaron just tearing the school down with my bare fucking hands and screw anyone who tried to get on TV and be like, ooh, like he hooked up with his teacher. That's so cool. No, it's not. Right. It's gross. There was a girl, there was a girl here in, in where, like where I live that was impregnated by a seventh or eighth grader a couple of years ago. And I was just like, that was when my kid was very close to that age. And I was like, are you, because the the discussion was kind of the same at first. It was like, oh, you know, hooked up with his teacher. And I'm like, he didn't hook up with his teacher. Right. No. They didn't meet, they didn't meet on Tinder and go out on a date. So, Mary Catherine um, Schmitz, I almost said Schmertz. Mary Catherine Schmitz was born in 1962 in Tustin, California. Tustin, Tustin, Tustin. There's no way to know. Sure. (laughs) Her mother was a chemist and her father was a college instructor and a politician. And then this was... Her mother was a uh chemist? Her mother is kind of the worst. Yeah. Um, this is where I put, like, it was clearly early in my notes. Can you imagine the holidays after she made headlines and ruined his political career? And then I learned. So (laughs) (laughs) I went back later and wrote, don't worry, his career was actually over by then. But I like to believe he held him to those glory days for at least a minute. Yeah. So when Mary was two, her father began his political career and successfully ran as a Republican for a seat in state legislature. He would go on to hold positions as a California state senator and a U.S. congressman. Um, And then in 1972, he was defeated in the primaries. So he turned his back on the Republican Party, as you do, and ran as a candidate for the American Party in the 1972 presidential election. Can we, though, just as a country, turn our backs on the current Republican (laughs) Party? Hey, do, is do that you have an, any pointers? I didn't realize that was an option. Is that an option? <laughs> we can do that. I, I want to. I think we should. So um, now in 1973, Mary's three-year-old brother, as you mentioned, she had a million siblings. There were, I think mm-hmm. she was one of six or one of seven. Um, But mm-hmm. when in 1973, she and two of her brothers were playing in the pool. She was in the shallow end with one brother and the other brother drowned to death in the deep end. He was only three. Um, he was just a little just a baby. baby. So um, I imagine that that had a big impact on her and her mental health. And of course, this is a time when therapy wasn't a thing. I roll my eyes, mm-hmm. especially not for a politician's family. Can you imagine? And not for men, because men don't have weaknesses. Right. Um, so Mary attended an all-girls Catholic school in Anaheim. Um, she was on the cheerleading team for, like, their brother's school. You know how they usually will, like, partner up. Um, so she cheered for yeah. their football team. Um, she was kind of... So it's like an all-girls and all-boys yeah. school, and the, they do the football team, and then the, the girls do the yes. cheer. And then, like, they have, like, mixed dances, like, a couple of times a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And after she graduated, she went to Arizona State University. So, um, 
That's a party school. Woo! In that's still a party in school. In 1978, her father was reelected as a Republican. So I guess the prodigal son returns to the Republican Party. <laughs> um, he was. I mean, but right. why though? Uh, he was reelected to the California State Senate, and he announced that he was going to run for U.S. Senate in 1982. And his political career took a nosedive because it came out that he had a secret family. He'd fathered two children with his mistress, a former student of his at Santa Ana College, where he taught political science. And you know, you know, Great. Aaron, this apparently wasn't a good look for the ultra Catholic who was running on Christian values and conservatism. I mean, you know, if only he lived in 2016, that wouldn't that <laughs> right? wouldn't have even face right? other people. He would have gotten extra votes. That'd have been like sacred family. I mean, does he pay child support? Then I, I don't see a right. problem. They'd be like, oh well, listen, it says to take care of the children in the Bible, and he's doing that, so mm-hmm. I, he gets my vote. So this affair did cause Mary's parents to separate <laughs> for some time, but they later reconciled. Um. I mean, they're good Catholics, so of course. Also, it should be noted that politics runs in the family. So fear not. Like, they didn't end then. So, okay, here I wrote Schmertz. I think Schmertz was her maiden name. Um, So the Schmertz... I thought it was Schmitz. Schmitz. Okay. I don't know. Who knows? There's no way to know. Uh, But also, I just want to say that politics also runs in my family, but we've all managed to get away from it. Right, right. Well, this family has not let me tell you something. So one of her brothers, John, was the deputy counsel to George H.W. Bush. And her other brother was inspector general of the U.S. Department of Defense for President George W. Bush as well as he's a senior executive with Academy, which is a private military for hire company that often provides private and personal security detail for very rich and powerful people. They also have a huge Wikipedia drop down about their role in the Iraq war. So take that for what it's worth. Yes. Um, I wasn't aware that you could hire the military like you're hiring a band for your wedding. So cool. How progressive. That's instead of hiring a band for my wedding, I'm just gonna hire a military. It's gonna hire a military and be like, you guys just come out, just like, I don't know, march and um that'll be great. My my guests will so, love So what I'm about to say is gonna sound like I disparage the military and you know that could not be further from the truth. I very much respect no. our veterans. Um, but there is a person in my life who um was a sniper in the army and retired and went into a military for hire situation like this and went to um, Afghanistan to work on like a, a private, very rich settlement area. Um, Mm -hmm. And his sister-in-law said, and it just encapsulated to me the types of people that I'd met who've gone into these private militaries mm-hmm. that the only thing he knew he was good at was killing, so he kept it going. And, that's yeah, that's the only impression I have of these private militaries. So if somebody has another impression, I would love to learn about it, is what I'm saying. But 
Like, I didn't know as a private citizen, not no longer the military, you could just, like, run around and kill people yeah. still. So, if somebody <sighs> has, like I said, if somebody has another take, I would love to learn about it. Because I only have a very bad experience with these kinds of groups. Um, because I think that part of it is a disenchantment of my own that our military fights for America and keeps us safe. The idea that there's a private military that just fights for the highest bidder is terrifying to me um so anyway this man who yeah her brother who did all this would also serve as a foreign policy advisor to the bruise on our record who fell between president obama and president biden so sorry can you repeat that um i don't want to he was a foreign policy advisor for the bruise on our record who fell between President Obama and President Biden. That weird four-year gap where we didn't oh, have a president. Yeah, that, yeah, we just had like like that Cheeto that kept coming <laughs> on the TV and talking and everyone was like, what is, who right? is that guy? Um, so because politics runs in the family, Mary dreamed of pursuing a political career just like her father. She intended to graduate from college and then move to Washington, D.C. to work in politics. And as the daughter of a powerful politician, she had the connections to do it, which is kind of the first step. Right. Um, oh, it is. Absolutely. However, yeah. while Mary was at ASU, she met Steve Letourneau, a fellow student there, and became pregnant with the first of their four children. Um, so mm-hmm. she later said that she had never been in love with Steve, but she married him because her family had urged her to do so. And, I mean, that sounds like true love to me, so whatever. It really does. I'm, I've never heard a more romantic right. story in my life. Well, maybe the story of her and the child she raped. That's pretty Listen, romantic, too. Um, wait till I tell you about the two books she wrote about it. <laughs> Who is publishing these people? <laughs> and why aren't they publishing me? You guys. So... The couple dropped out of Arizona State and moved to Anchorage, Alaska, where Steve worked as a baggage handler for Alaska Airlines. I love to fly Alaska, by the way. If you've never flown with them, they're a wonderful experience. I have not, but I I have heard good things in the past. Uh, So after a year, Steve was then transferred to Seattle, Washington. While in Seattle, Mary Mm -hmm. gave birth to their second child, like pretty soon after they moved there and then in 1989 Mm -hmm. she graduated from seattle university with a degree in education she began teaching second grade at an elementary school in a suburb of seattle and as all the great love stories go the laternos struggled with money because teachers then were paid even less than they are now and that's saying something and so both steve and mary began having affairs like All you right. do. Mary's attorney. I mean, when you don't make enough money, you do have an affair, right? right? Obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, when Sarah was in medical school, my options were work three jobs or have three affairs, and I'll let you know which one I picked. God, that sounds exhausting. The three affairs. I would much it rather does. three jobs. Oh, my God. <laughs> Same. Um, so... Mary's attorney would go on to claim that she was, quote, emotionally and physically abused by her husband throughout their marriage and twice, quote, went to the hospital for treatment and police were called. But no charges were ever filed. So I'm not denying this happened. I'm just saying that we can't definitively report that it did. So it's alleged at this point. 
Right. Um, so three years into Mary's teaching career, she taught Vili Falau for the first time. I just needed to point this out because the media makes this seem not so bad to point out. And like, they really mm-hmm. point out that Mary had been Billy's second grade teacher before she taught him again in the sixth grade. Uh huh. Uh huh. Quote. Oh, okay. This is a, a interview. She gave the Seattle times in the Seattle times in 1997. <laughs> Why don't we meet at TN? <laughs> There was a respect, an insight, a spirit, and understanding between us that grew over time, she said in this interview. It's the kind of feeling you have with a brother or sister, a feeling that they're part of your life forever. And Mary Kay Letano, okay, that's no, not that's better. So fucking we don't gross. siblings either. <laughs> also, the thing that she is describing is grooming. Yeah. There's a respect and a, a trust there that I then I then leveraged to get what I wanted, which was to have sex with this young right. boy. Right. Right. And so this is where I put in my notes. Before I go on, I do need to make it known that I'm aware that much later she was diagnosed with bipolar and that many of the things I'm about to scream about are signs of mental illness, but mental illness does not excuse the rape of a child. No, here's the thing. She is very obviously mentally ill. That doesn't mean that she didn't, like, commit a very heinous right. crime. So, Letourneau formed... Like, David Berkowitz, son of Sam, was very <laughs> mentally ill. He still was a serial right. killer. We weren't like, oh, he's not a killer anymore because did you hear? He's like, cray cray, you right. know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Letourneau formed what she described as, quote, a close relationship with Falau when he nope. was a second grader who showed remarkable art- nope. artistic ability that she said she delighted in cultivating. She said that at first, nothing seemed odd about their relationship. Quote, I didn't know what it meant. I felt that one day he might marry my daughter. And you know, Aaron, just like we're both parents, don't we all pre-fuck mm-hmm. our kids' potential spouses to make sure they're up to snuff? That's that's Fox, just a no. premise for mm-hmm. porn. It's not real, Mary. It's not real. Yeah. Good yeah. God. Girl. You gotta stop. So And I just wanna like go back in time and be like, you need to stop talk like you need to stop talking because you're not making right. a point. Stop giving interviews. Making. Like please stop. Just stop it. And I don't know why she didn't have a lawyer or a PR person or literally anyone that could sit down with her and be like, You have to stop talking about yeah. this. Because you are not doing yourself any favors. Just shut up and fade into the background and live your life. So over the next few years, Letourneau kept in touch with Billy. She bought him art supplies and took him to museums and and encouraged him to develop his talent for poetry. And these in isolation do not stick out as odd. These are all things I've done with my students. But that's where the similarities end. Um, and, And I just, there are, there's such a, a huge amount of red flags that I know as a 21st century teacher and also as a man in education there's always kind of a microscope on me because of the amount of child molestation claims that came out of men teaching like 
it's a thing. Right. It's a thing. When you go through education school as a man, you are taught extra rules. Like, don't ever be... And now everybody's taught, thank God. Like, thank God everyone is held to the same standard a little bit more with the Me Too movement and with yeah. more people coming forward. That, But I, there was, a like, a day in my education undergrad that all the men were held back and were told, like, the rules that women don't have to follow necessarily like make sure that if you hold a student back you have to have a group of students even if you want to talk about talk to just one so there's witnesses keep a door open never be alone i mean obviously you don't want female teachers to be alone with a student either but like even in the early 2000s that wasn't a conversation that was happening like and that's the thing why were we not having this conversation with everyone like as an adult, here is your responsibility when working with children in right. general. Don't be alone with them. Don't like don't put yourself in a situation where you are you don't have someone else to explain what was Yeah, happening. 100%. And so I'm I'm glad that it is no longer and it's horrible that it had to take more cases popping up for the narrative to shift. Yeah. But I'm glad that it's no longer like the guys in education are in isolation with these extra rules um but there how weren't all these red flags seen is just a question i can't get over and i know it's a 21st century view like maybe i just maybe not teaching the 90s i don't know how different it was but i still think i would but when her friends are like he's in love with you you need to say something or do something I'm like, none of y'all were like, this is a real fucking problem and I need to go and talk to somebody right, about that? exactly. No one? And her, even his mom is like, oh, you're just in my house alone with my kid? That's so fucking weird. Yeah. And I grew up in a small town where we were close to our teachers. My mom went to, for one, my mom went to school with all of my teachers growing up. So yeah, they would come over for like dinner at our house. That wasn't a weird thing, but like, I don't know that my mom would have ever let me but be alone like, with any of my teachers. And yeah, they weren't just coming over when you were home alone and like chilling right. out. Like that's fucking weird. Right. Um, so, um, let's see. I also want to point out that Mary Kay was a well-respected member of the faculty she was generally regarded as yeah. a skilled teacher and her classes like ran well. Um, yeah. So starting in the fall of 1995, Mary Kay began teaching sixth grade where she'd always taught like second grade up to that point. During this right. time, she did suffer a lot of emotional trauma. Her marriage was in trouble. And in January, 1996, she had a miscarriage that she never really recovered from psychologically. And oh, so she that's terrible. It really is. One awful. of these articles said she took comfort in her friendship with Falau, and I just wrote "you" in nope. all caps. Nope. Um, so nope. now most of the following information comes from a 1998 book Letourneau and Falau wrote with a ghostwriter called. It was published in France, like in French in France, and so the title's actually in French, mm-hmm. but the translation is. Only one crime, love. I'm sorry, I need to <laughs> yeah. up. Yes. So take this information for what it's worth. That it is 100% written from her point of view. 
and she's controlling the narrative and gross. here. Yeah. Um, but this book is their account of the history of their predatory fucking relationship and poor Falau's rape from their points of view, I wrote in quotes, aka Mary's control of the narrative. So yeah. according to this account, twelve year old Falau bet a friend twenty dollars that he could have sex with their teacher. I believe this bet existed. Because I was a twelve year old. Oh, boy I do once. too. Boys are dumb. When he Well, all kids are dumb, but, you know, boy wants to When he began spending time at her house for tutoring and help with schoolwork, Mary said she began to fantasize about him. Quote, I had promised myself it would not happen before my divorce, she wrote. Do you not mean before his 18th birthday or, like, maybe fucking never? Yeah. Do you not mean before I walked in front of traffic because I shouldn't be feeling this way or before I went to a doctor and disclosed the fact that I'm feeling and you know wine and crime recently had a discussion about this too like it's so it's so stigmatized that people can't go to a doctor and really talk about it so that even makes it worse and of course it should be like it should be stigmatized but if you are having if you're hi- the having these feeling. ideations and you go to a doctor without yeah. having acted and on you the go impulse, to a doctor, there should be a a little bit of grace there yeah. that is not had. Yeah, exactly. It should be like, hey, I am reaching out for help because I myself recognize that this right. is wrong. I understand that what I'm feeling is right. Wrong. Uh, but instead, she's just like, I'm just going to go with it. Um, 13 year olds are hot, which that in itself, I'm like, you need mental help because 13 year olds are gross. Yeah. Um. No, she couldn't wait that long, Erin. Just days before Falau turned 13, one of the articles said something along the lines of, like, they began having sex. I was like, no, the sexual abuse began. Nope. That's what this is. Yes. So when the abuse began, she was 34 years old. They claim... They claim that the abuse began in the summer of 1996. I suspect personally that it may have been earlier, but that there is actual documentation of them together in this June of 1996. So if I were controlling a narrative, I would go as close to the earliest documented date as possible. A hundred percent. So on June 18th, 1996, police came upon... Mary Kay and and Villy in a car in the marina parking lot. She was seen jumping no. into the front seat while Villy pretended to, to sleep in the back seat. She and Villy provided false names and Falau said that he was 18 years old. He told police that no touching had taken place and Mary Kay said that she and her husband had gotten into an argument and that Villy a family friend who was staying with them that night had witnessed the fight and ran away upset. So she said she'd left to find him. They were taken to the police station and Villy's mother was called. When the police, when the police asked her what she wanted done with them, her mother said to release him to Mary's care. So I told you I had more information about this. She said in later interviews that the police had given her limited information. Basically, they said, hey, we picked up your son. He's with a woman named Mary Kay Letourneau. And she was like, oh, that's his teacher. You know, she he goes to her house for tutoring. Like, it's fine. Like, And, like, at this point, the the cop wasn't like, wait, that's her, his teacher? Wait, we need to discuss this yeah, further. No. 
Um, she said that she absolutely would not have released him back to Mary Kay's care if she'd been told that he'd lied about his age or that they were found in a car or anything. But literally, like, the information she was given was, hey, I found your son with this woman. And she was like, well, he's supposed to be. Like, he's getting tutoring. And I feel like that, that the conversation should have been like, we found your son in a dark alley. He lied about his age. Da, 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 and he was with this woman. Like that should have been the last right, thing. Right, exactly. <laughs> um so yeah, like I she had trusted this woman enough to let her son go to her house. I'm sure that there was like, why are you wasting my time? That's his teacher. Like I told I don't I don't yeah. get it, but I get it, you know? I mean I get it, but I like and maybe it's just because I am like a true crime uh-huh. junkie. That's and, what I keep having um, to tell myself. Is that like if if somebody called me and was like, "We found your son with this teacher," I'd be like, "Well, what? Where were they? What were they doing?" Like that that would be like the the immediate things that came out of my mouth. It wouldn't. And if they were like, "Oh, they were in school in the classroom," I'm like, "Them right? Oh, what?" Uh, but obviously, if they're calling me from the police station, they weren't in school right. in the classroom. Clearly, um, yeah. So in February of 1997, nine months after this incident. The sexual abuse finally came to light when Steve Letourneau found some love letters that Mary had written to Falau in their home. What he didn't... Can you imagine? Right. Well, and especially because he didn't know... Like, your... Oh, go ahead. Your wife is a pediatrician. Can you imagine, like, cleaning something up and finding, like, love letters to slash from one of her patients? I... I would just immediately call the police, I think. Like, as because, as much yeah, as I well, love her, that's the only should. thing I can think to do. Yeah. Like, I have to step out of this, and I have to leave it to to someone. And it's, and it's we, the same position of power that a teacher holds over a student, and it's the same, like, it's the same dynamic. And, I mean, I think if the roles were reversed and she found something of yours like she would call the cops and i would expect her to i would hope that she would because it is her duty to protect children this (laughs) shit just blows my mind and i know that there's no like the the problem is there is no logical explanation for this and i want there to be one um so what he didn't know at the time he found these letters was that she was already six months pregnant with falal's baby um so he, instead of calling the police, just told some family members about what he'd found. And he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So one of those family members called the police. They were like, I'll tell you what to fucking do. His cousin's like, this is fucked up. I'm calling the cops. <laughs> I imagine his cousin like had to pause forensic files to call the cops. Like, the hell is right. wrong with you? Um, so on March 4th, 19... 19- He's like, I am in the middle of criminal minds right now. Can you just not? On March 4th, 1997, Mary Kay Letourneau. Or wait, it was the 90s, so probably NYPD Blue or, you know, the ever-present law and order that's just been around forever. That's what they watched in the Garden of Eden since Betty White was young. Obviously. Um, So on March 4th, 1997, Mary Kay Letourneau was arrested at the school. She would later tell Oprah that she no. considered Falau, quote, the love of my life. No. He'd given her a silver promise ring, Aaron, and that's how she knew his love was true. And he said that 
they'd planned to have a baby to strengthen their ties. She denied that the after the first that the first pregnancy was planned, but she admitted that she was not unhappy to find that she was going to have a baby with her rape victim. So and again, me, if it's me finding out that I'm pregnant with a 13-year-old child's baby, first of all, I'm like, well, he can't pay child support, so what the hell am I going to do now? Right. So. I mean, she and I just look at life very differently, which again, is good. But again, I, you keep wanting it to make sense. Like, make it make sense, but it's I not do. going to. I need it to make sense. It's not going to. I know. I just <laughs> so she pleaded guilty to two counts of second-degree child rape. Her first child with Falau, the one who I mentioned that she posed with on the cover of People magazine, was born on May 29th, mm-hmm. 1997. Um, she was still awaiting sentencing when when she had that, like when she went into labor. Um, right. The state mm-hmm. aimed to sentence her to, <laughs> sorry, my own Freudian slip. I wrote sex and a half years in prison. Not six. Sex and a half <laughs> I mean, How long tracks. are you in for sex and a half years? Oh, girl. Um, through a plea deal, however, her sentence was reduced to six months, three of which were suspended in county jail, and then three years of sex offender treatment. Letourneau must also agree to treatment for her newly diagnosed bipolar disorder. And she was told... Like I said, there were very simple and easy to follow stipulations for her, and I don't like that is another thing that I, I need to make sense right make so sense. she was even told she would not be required to register as a sex offender as long as she did not contact Falau, any of her five children or any other minors girl what are you doing so February 3rd 1998 just weeks just like literal days after her jail sentence was over Mary was found by police in a car with Falau near her home. She initially said that she was alone in the car. Like, police found her, and she was like, I'm by myself. You dumb She bitch. and Falau provided false names again when asked for identification. So at this point, she's become an international tabloid sensation, and everyone knows her face, especially in this in Seattle. And she's like, well... My name is certainly not Mary Kay Letourneau. It's um, Avon Eastman. And they're like, did you, you know what? Sure, Avon, let's go. Okay. Well, what's funny is in the movie, she is like talking to her little teacher friend. And um, she's like, yeah, I was in the store and somebody came up to me and was like, are you Mary Kay Letourneau? And I just turned around and I said, who? And they were like, oh, never mind. I'm so sorry. And I was like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it also was reported by police in initial reports that they'd been engaged in sexual intercourse when they approached the car. The later report did not say that. And Falau also denied it. Um, I don't understand, like, what happened there um but police maintained it but their paperwork did not show that there was any evidence so who knows um he told it falau did tell the detective that they had kissed and that he'd touched her thigh but nothing more had occurred 
Um, there was further evidence. I don't know how she got pregnant. I just touched her thigh. There was further evidence that the two had met multiple times since her release from jail. On either January 2nd or 20th, there were conflicting reports. Excuse me. Um, When she was arrested, police found $6,200 in cash, baby clothes, and her passport in the car, receipts for $850 in purchases since January 20th for men's, Young men's and infant clothing were also found, but she swears she wasn't trying to skip out on town. You are shopping for your boyfriend and the young men. Like, I cannot. She said that the money was for dermatology treatments and for her divorce lawyer, and that some of the men's clothing were gifts for relatives, and some of it was for herself because she likes to wear oversized men's clothing. And to that, I say, sure, Jan. So in February 1998, the judge revoked Mary's plea deal and reinstated the prison sentence of seven and a half years for violating the no contact order. In later interviews, as well as that book that I mentioned earlier, she admitted that she had sex with Falau in January, basically the very minute she got out of jail. Right. While serving her second stint in jail, Mary gave birth to her second daughter, um, with Falau on October 16th, 1998. That year, mm-hmm. only one crime, Love, was published, but only in France. And so the next year, a second book was published in the United States called If Loving You Is Wrong. Nope. It said it was written with minimal nope. cooperation from Mary Kay and no involvement at all from Villy. Um, which means... He no. even had less of an opportunity to tell his side there. Um, so while serving her term, did you watch like the last documentary that no. they did? Oh, he looks like a fucking. He looks like he has Stockholm. Syndrome. Well, like he we will t- is totally vacant, and it, we'll like, talk it, about it, the it, end because mess. I don't think that's the case anymore. But we'll get there. So. Um, well, she died, yeah. so he can't really have... St- well, they divorced before she died. They did, and but So yeah. I'll talk about that. Um, but, um... So okay. while serving her term, she was allowed visits from her children. They almost never happened. Um, but she was de- denied permission to attend her father's funeral. Um, yeah. She used her time in prison to continue teaching. She was so good at it. She tutored fellow inmates. She recorded audiobooks for blind readers... She participated in the prison choir and was seen at nearly every mass while there. And like every holier-than-thou human being who's ever existed, she was unpopular with the other inmates. Um, Also, like is usually the case with child rapists, she was unpopular with the other inmates. Um, She, quote, sassed guards and balked at work. And spent 18 of her first 24 months in solitary confinement because of her bad attitude. In one instance, she served six months in solitary when letters she tried to secretly send to Falau were intercepted. Falau dropped out of high school and his mother was granted custody of his two children. He struggled with suicidal Mm -hmm. depression and alcoholism and, um, attempted suicide in March of 1999. 
In 2002, Falau's family sued the school district and the city of Des Moines, Washington, where the school was, for emotional suffering, lost wages, and the cost of raising his two children, claiming that the school and Des Moines Police Department had failed to protect him from Mary Kay. Following a 10-week trial, right. no damages were awarded. How? No fucking clue. Everything! Letourneau was released from prison to a community program on August 4th, 2004 and registered the following day as a level 2 sex offender. Following her release, Villy, who was now 21, convinced the court to reverse the no-contact order against her. So, on May 20th, 2005, Mary Kay Letourneau married her rape victim. Exclusive rights to their wedding were sold to Entertainment Tonight, and I just wrote, Ick, icky, ick. No! No, you could no, 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 no. Letourneau said she planned to have another child and get this, was planning to return to teaching because the law no. said she could teach at private schools and community colleges. Nope, 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 nope. Also, like, girl, do you really think you're going to go to a private school that hasn't heard from you, heard of you? Right. Uh, my name is Avon East. Nope, that one didn't work either, ma'am. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. In a 2006 interview with NBC News, Letourneau, quote, conceded she knew it would be wrong to let the relationship go any further, but she says as soon as the school year ended, she and Billy did cross that line. She said that, quote, it did not cross her mind at the time. Hold on. Do you have anything to drink in front of you? Do you have a bottle of wine to guzzle real fast? No, I don't. It did not cross her mind at the time that it would be a crime to have sex with Billy. In another interview, she said, if someone had told me, if anyone had told me there is a specific law that says this is a crime, I did not know. I've said this over and over again. Had I known, if anyone knows my personality, just the idea this would count as a crime. And then she just left it dangling, like, bitch, you knew. I'm sorry. I just... You are a parent. She was a parent. Oh, sorry, I meant her, you right, as a parent, right. not you. Um, she was a parent. How? I I just want to like go to her and be like, what? How would you feel if another teacher approached you and said they were having sexual relations with one of your children? She'd probably throw them a shower. She's so unhinged. <sighs> God, she's fucking crazy. I just can't. Um, so, the television series Barbara Walters Presents American Scandals covered the case in December mm-hmm. 2015. Um, Barbara Walters interviewed Mary Kay, Villy, and their two daughters. I think, I that's, think that's the, the one, one where about. he looks... He uh-huh. looks... He, he has like dark circles yeah. under. He looks like a I remember captive. seeing. I remember seeing like um, promotional is, footage yeah. from that, but I never watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, so on May 9th, 2017, after almost 12 years of marriage, Villy filed for separation from Letourneau, but withdrew the filing. 
As of 2018, mm-hmm. he was working as a home improvement at a home improvement store and as a professional DJ. And Mary Kay was working as a legal assistant, which I guess she knew the law at that point. I rolled my eyes. Well, I think too, like she was probably working for one of probably. Um, so an article in People quoted an insider source saying, "Quote: They know what everyone thinks about their relationship, and they don't care. They never really have. The wrong stuff that happened was so long ago. They are two grown adults who are living their lives now. However, the couple finalized a legal separation in August of 2019." Um, earlier in the marriage, Villy had said that he was not a victim and was unashamed of their relationship. However, according to People in May of 2020, a source close to Falau said that, quote, he sees things clearly now and realizes that this wasn't a healthy relationship from the start. And so I do think that at some point he was able to come around. You know, like, it ran so deep. It ran so yeah. deep. And you he must have felt like he was stuck his options were so slim and so limited yeah dark that's not the word i want to go for bleak that he just yeah you know like i can't imagine so letourneau died at 58 from colorectal cancer on july 6 2020 now Aaron, yep. I know you were wondering. Yep. So I brought mm, I, probably I brought you a list of other you. teachers who married their former students. Great. You're Thank welcome. You. So Charles Melville Dewey was an American painter. We actually saw a couple of his paintings last week in the National Art Gallery. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. We did. In mm-hmm. fact, three of the artists I bring you. We saw their work recently. Like, we saw their work last week. Um, so he married his student, Julia Henshaw. They lived the rest of their lives lives as a married couple. She was an adult when they met. She took private art lessons from him. So it's different, but... At least she... At, at least she was... Uh-huh. James... I don't like it, but it's not as... James Earl Fraser was an American <coughs> sculptor. You'll recognize his work as Guardianship and Heritage, which we joked in D.C. where you and me, I had that giant scroll that was my Simone Biles notes. Remember those statues? So he yes! was the sculptor. Oh, my God. He, um, also made the sculptures outside of the Supreme Court building by the apartment we stayed at. Um, so okay, he cool. married one of his former art students, Laura Garden. Um, Laura Garden Fraser went on to be a famous metal worker who made beautiful sculptures. And she was most influential because of her design of limited run U.S. coins. In 1931, she even won a competition to design the new quarter. But toxic masculinity, I guess, made Andrew Mellon um, select the design by John Flanagan, which is the design we think of as the U.S. quarter with Washington on it. She had designed a different Washington quarter. Um, they did commemorate it in 1999. It's beautiful. Um, Robert Henri was an American painter who married two of his former students. We also saw his work last week. He painted that really beautiful New York painting that I fell in love with. Do you remember? That was the snowy New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Um, And. Hi, why are artists. Right? Well, don't worry. We're not out of it yet, because now we're back to politicians. 
when he was yay when he was 19 former speaker for the house and all-around family-friendly guy newt gingrich Oh, we just talked about him in our Patreon yep. episode. He married. He's a fucking idiot. His high school geometry teacher. She was seven years older than he was. They were married for 18 years when he filed for divorce and decided to. I, I know you were a fan of this guy, so this is really going to change your opinion of him. But she had to go to the hospital for surgery for her uterine cancer. And over her recovery bed in the hospital, he was like, we need to line out the terms of this divorce. Yeah, I I like him so much less now, which is really (laughs) saying something because I really hated him before. Yep. And finally, Aaron, um, Brigitte Trogno, which I know I nailed because French is my first language. Um, yeah. she married her former student in 2007. He is currently serving Great. as the president of France, the same president who announced today, like I just told you, that Josephine Baker would be the first black woman to be given a Pantheon burial. So that's a huge honor. Um, but there you go. There's you a whole history of predatory behavior. And that wasn't the whole list on Wikipedia. That's just the ones I thought we would find interesting today. Thanks. You're, I you're welcome. It. Um, you know, there's an old Designing Women episode. I love Designing Women. Where Payne comes home and he's dating one of his professors. Uh-huh. And of course, Julia's just... Julia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at the end, like, um, the professor, like, comes at Julia and, like, is like, oh, we're going to get married and have babies and like, we're going to cut you like out of our lives because if you don't support our blah, blah, blah. Payne overhears her. <laughs> so it's the one time that Payne like becomes. I Julia. love it. Oh, I love it. Because he like comes in and he's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> so and great. That is the oh, night God, I love that show. out in Georgia. And that Marjorie <laughs> Just so you know, <laughs> and your children will know, is the night the light went out in Georgia. <laughs> so good. Julia Sugarbaker was ahead of her time. She was. Dixie Carter was no, not uh-uh. ahead of her time, but Julia Sugarbaker 100%. was. <laughs> um, all right. Well, next week, Aaron. I think we might as well cover the second name on that long list you gave me. Yeah. So, because uh, that'll give me a week to actually research. This is going to be a ton of research, but it's going to be a ton of yeah, fun. Well, this case is bonkers. So next week we're going to do uh, a woman scorned the Betty Broderick yes. story. It's an old movie. I'm so excited. It's an old ass movie. I'm so pumped. I can't wait. Are you reading anything right now? Um. Well, I am. Um. I just finished a book called Cultish. Okay. That is a, is about the language of fanaticism. She goes through cult. She goes through like. CrossFit, um, MLMs, things like that. Oh, that it's sounds about, really like, good. The language of, it's very good. Um, 
And then I'm reading um, the book that you picked out for, well, I just picked it up, but um, the book that you picked out for me in DC, not not Mexican Gothic. Um, I say, I couldn't remember the other one. I remember Mexican Gothic. Um, something stars, something in the stars. When the stars go blank, when the stars. Was it the Paula McLean book? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I literally just, like, I'm like four pages in. I haven't even done a lot with it. And then on the, um, when the stars go dark side, I am, some stars go dark. Yeah. See, um, on the nonfiction side, I am reading, um, what happened to you, which is done by Oprah and, um, a guy named Dr. Perry. Um, and it's about like, trauma. okay. Very nice. What about you? What are you reading? I am reading um, Bird by Bird, which is a an essay collection. Um, I also sent this to our research assistant, Fran, um, that mm-hmm. is very, very good. I don't normally read essay collections, but I think of Fran as an essayist, even though she doesn't think of her as an essayist. Mm-hmm. Um but so I thought she'd enjoy that. And then I am reading um, The Art of Voice on how to hone my voice as a writer. Um, I'm gotten nice. a lot of books recently on the like the art of writing, the skill and technique of writing, just so I can kind of improve that. Mm-hmm. If it's the thing I'm going to take a year off to focus on, I should probably study it as a student and not just read lots yeah, of books and that. call that research. <laughs> That is research. Oh, it 100% You're is. You're poking a hole in my entire <laughs> research theory. Well, I have books that I'm going to send to you I've been collecting. Um, so just know that you've got some coming to help support your writing also. Yay. Thank you. I'm still, like, plugging away on the story. I have a good outline, and I have, I think, some good, you know, stuff down on paper. I just need to... I need to have time to really sit down and work on it, but you know, I keep doing things, other right. things I instead. So that's really my totally own. Totally good. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everybody for hanging out with us. And um, yes. Aaron, can you tell the lovely folks where they can find us? You can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. You can find us at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. You can join our Discord, which is hopping right now. It's been so much fun. Um, and that's pinned at the top of our Twitter, I believe, and also the top of our yes. Facebook page. Um, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence, where if you want to hear like 80 more episodes of us talking shit about things, then I mean, yep. that's it. Yes. Please <laughs> join us. Um, and uh, you can go to lifetimesentence.com and where you can click a button and email us or buy some merch or, you know, kind of a lot yes. of things. Oh, and before we go, I promised a shout out to those lovely people I met in D.C. Um, so I'm going to access yes. that access that that message I sent you like it's a secret code. Um, I'm going to pull up their names <laughs> because they were wonderful and I told them that I'd give them a shout out, especially because I, um, I already donate to a similar organization. And so I just don't have donations for more organizations like this, but, um, 
Heifer International. I just figured out who you were talking about. (laughs) So I was stopped in D.C. by a group called Heifer International. Their their boots on the ground people were Lydia and Matthew. They were wonderful. Um, Matthew complimented my Weaponize Your Privilege shirt, so I got to tell him about us. Mm -hmm. Um, They are an organization that raises money to provide um, livestock to families in need in what are classified as developing countries. I hate all the terminology we have to discuss what we call developing countries. I wish we had something better. Oh, same. Um, But so they not only feed them, they provide them a source of income because it's um, heifers it's goats and it's chickens that they work to donate. Um, and so the family is fed or provided from the meat of the heifer. I mean, from the milk of the heifer or the goats, um, they're provided eggs from their chickens, but they also have access to sell. So it gives them a source of income and it's, um, a really incredible opportunity to donate to. Um, so I promised them a shout out, um, We're not at all associated with them, but like I said, they were great. And I already donate to another organization that does similar things. And so I wanted to pass that on in hopes that our listeners could help do some good in the world too. Yes. There's plenty of good to do in the world. Um, I feel like when, especially when things get really dark on here, like today, you need to find Absolutely. the good, right? Find the good in the world. Absolutely. So, so um, yeah, that's all I've got. Um, until next time, please eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>